Welcome to Casting Hope, a sermon podcast of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Joe Hack, pastor at Hope, and we are so glad that you are listening in. We would love to connect with you in person at our Sunday gathering. In the meantime, we hope this message points you to Jesus, the reason we gather. This week, I drove by my childhood home in Indiana. And I was reminded of my very last summer I spent in that home. I had just graduated from college and I was preparing for the next journey in my life. And that journey was college ministry. And that meant that I had to raise my own salary. And so I crafted what is called a support letter. And this support letter was, for me, a trifold piece of paper that had basically three things. My name and my picture. Kind of what I was about. What I believed deeply. What this mission was. And why it was important. And finally, what I needed. Just straight up, here's what I need for this to happen. And I would send this letter to family friends. And I would actually send it to their friends as well. And I remember sitting in the back patio of my childhood home making cold calls to everybody that I sent this letter to, picking up the phone and plugging away. Well, I don't know what you think of when you hear the phrase, Paul's letter to the Romans. Go ahead, what do you think of? This morning, I want you to start to think about Romans as a support letter. A missionary's support letter. But before we explore why and also why that's important to all of you, let's first pray. Lord, with the words of my mouth and with the meditation of all of our hearts here this morning, be pleasing and acceptable to you. You are a rock. Yes, Lord, you are a redeemer and nothing and no one else is. And so, Lord, as we encounter you in your word this morning, would you change our hearts? Would you open the eyes of our interior life of all of who we are so that we would actually see the beauty of Jesus and that when we walk out of here this morning, He would be more beautiful, more worthy than every good thing in our life. And it's in Jesus' name we ask for this miracle. Amen. So about a decade ago, I decided I would get good at cooking. And I decided the way that I was going to do this is by learning the science of cooking. Following recipes is kind of like calling by numbers. It works, but you don't know why it works, and so you don't know how to do it by yourself, and you don't know how to do it again. So I bought a book called Cookwise, The Hows and Whys of Successful Cooking with over 230 great tasting recipes. Why did I do this? I wanted to learn the science of cooking. The other thing I did is I sort of devoured Christopher, Christopher Kimball's stuff. You know that bow tie guy on PBS? I just devoured this guy's stuff. These folks taught me the science, the why of cooking. So for instance, Kimball, he taught me the importance of a chemical reaction called the Maillard reaction. You guys know what this is? The Maillard reaction? You should. So here's what it is. What is a Maillard reaction? So the Maillard reaction, according to this website, is a reaction, a chemical reaction between an amino acid and a reducing sugar usually requiring the addition of heat, and in the process, hundreds of different flavor compounds 
are creative. Knowing the science helped me make tastier food. So take broccoli for example. Alright, I grew up with soggy broccoli. Anyone else? You don't grab soggy broccoli? So what we did to cover up that is just slather it with melted butter. That's the go-to thing. Slather it with melted butter. But once I applied the Maillard reaction to broccoli and plenty of olive oil and kosher salt, roasted broccoli with like brown florets became a favorite. Here's why that's important. Knowing the science of cooking is the difference between a slice of bread and a slice of toast. Knowing the science, it's vital, it's important. The science, though, is a means to an end. The end, the goal, is taste. The goal is sustenance. The goal of food science is joy. The goal of food science is gratitude. It's the table with friends and family. So how sad would it be to read about the Maillard reaction, but never eat? How sad would it be to sort of find food science fascinating, but never sit at a table with friends and family with a delicious meal and feast? Well, I have a sad habit of doing this, uh, not so much with food, but with the Lord, with God. I find the science of theology fascinating. And who wouldn't? Right? Who wouldn't find the science of God fascinating? It deals with all of life. It's mysterious and yet concrete. It's like the biggest subject you could possibly study. But do I sit down at the table with it? Sometimes, if I'm totally honest, I study God in order to avoid it. You're like, what on earth? How is that possible? Think about it. If I study God, then I can check the all-important I love God box. Can't I? Without really being vulnerable before it. I can check the I love God box without being vulnerable before Him. Learning about God can be a clever detour around the actual presence of God. It can be what Frederick Buechner, the writer, called an artful dodge. And this is the most dangerous way to dodge God. This is the most dangerous way to avoid Him because it fools us into thinking that we are close to Him. But in reality, we might just be controlling Him. Or at worst, Controlling others with our expertise about him. I think we all do this. Nobody likes to be vulnerable in front of a normal person, right? How much more an all-knowing God? And so we busy ourselves for God. We busy and fill our minds about God. But how often do we, with Mary as our teacher, sit before the Lord? I see this temptation with the book of Romans. The book of Romans is so rich 
and theology. It is so rich in truth statements about Jesus, about God, about the gospel, the good news of Jesus. In it, the Apostle Paul, who we've been getting familiar with, explains what he believes about Jesus. Explains what he believes about the good news of Jesus. According to New Testament scholar Gordon Fee, Paul explains the good news of Jesus in four parts. And this will be our sort of overview of the book of Romans. And so this first part, in the first four chapters or so, is the sin problem and how Jesus answered answers it. So in Romans 3, Paul writes, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile or non-Jewish men and women. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. And so Paul is basically saying being a Gentile or being a Jewish man or woman does not privilege you because of the reality of our heart which is in rebellion against God. And so we are all on equal footing. And yet, all, meaning all those same groups, are justified by the same Savior. They are redeemed and rescued through Jesus. Next, Paul talks about faith in the faithful one. So that in Romans 5, he writes, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, we just talked about that, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, it's talking about Adam there, for the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, talking about the second Adam, that's Jesus, the many will be made righteous. So Paul is basically saying, what saves you? What rescues you? What is the basis for your security? And the answer is a faithful one. Not our faithfulness, but His faithfulness for us. We all sinned in Adam. Jesus came as a second Adam and lived a faithful life of mission. What Adam failed to do and all of us with him, and what Israel failed to do and all of us with them, Jesus came as the perfect man, the perfect human, and the perfect Israelite, and did it for us. And all we do is we lay hold of him with empty, desperate hands of faith. And that's what rescues us. Amen? That's what rescues us. That is our security. It's not our doing. It's his doing. And then later, in this book of Romans, Paul shifts to the reality that God is still tending his olive tree, meaning... He's true to his promises. He says, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. My olive tree, my people, Israel. I'm not giving up. I'm just grafting, I'm grafting Gentiles onto this. And then finally, the last section of this amazing letter is really what this does, the fruit of this reality, which is sincere love. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, says Paul, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, because Romans is one of the only places in the story of Scripture, it's like one of the 
best places in the whole story of Scripture where we get a sort of straight-ahead, sustained exploration and explanation of the good news of Jesus. Because what I just did is I just basically gave you the highest flyover. We could spend months and years, and people have done that, by the way, digging into verse after verse and word after word, just really unpacking what Paul says about the good news of Jesus, what is true about the good news of Jesus. Now, because that is Romans, I think we tend to treat it like a science textbook. But I think that's the wrong metaphor. You know, we're reading the Bible as a story. We're reading the Bible as the true story of the world. And so when we get into these letters, we're like, okay, great, finally. We're done with, like, story, and we're now getting into facts. Thank you. But we can't get off that easy. I think science textbook is the wrong metaphor. What is then? The book of Romans is two things. It's a support letter, and it's a love letter. And I want to look at both. So Romans is first, as I said, a support letter. It's a missionary support letter. And this isn't like my opinion. It's Paul's statement of fact. And so at the very end of Romans, chapter 15, after he explains the gospel to the Roman church, this is what he says. He says, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing to, for many years to visit you, Church in Rome, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. So Paul is called by God to Spain. And without you know, the assistance of Google Earth, um, Spain was likely the very edge of of creation for Paul. And Paul wants the glory of God via the good news of Jesus to spread the earth as the waters cover the sea. He wants worship to occur where it is not, to quote a pastor. And this is his support letter. This is his support letter. Assisting on my journey Take part in what God is doing. His detailed theology in this letter is in service to his mission. It's like the what we believe section on our website. It's important. It's vital. It drives our mission. It connects people the truth. Why not? So that people worship in truth. Good theology drives mission. And this means Romans, the book, is ultimately a missionary support letter. It's meant to support true mission. I hope we believe that every member is a missionary. We're all given a place in God's mission when we're rescued by Jesus. We may not have Paul's unique ministry, and we may not have his unique mission, but we are on the same mission as Paul. Did you hear that? We are on the same mission as the Apostle Paul. We are on the same exact mission. To point to Jesus 
before the people that God puts in your life. So I just want to ask, what is one way you can point to Jesus this summer? What is one way you can point to Jesus this summer? And who is that person that God has put in your life to do that? Well, let me ask this question. How have you maybe allowed learning about God to be a speed bump to being on mission with God? Sometimes, if you're like me, it's like, well, if I just kind of get it down, like if I just get it straight in my mind, then I'll talk to Jesus. I'll talk about Jesus to others. Or even worse, if I don't understand God fully, then I won't sit with Him. I won't commune with Him. I won't rest in Him. Romans is a support letter for mission. It's also a love letter. Romans is a letter that is meant to generate sincere love for God and for others. And so let's just look at that both together. First, Romans was written to generate a sincere love for God. And this takes two forms. Internal awe. So at the very end of Paul's explanation section, that's what we call it, at the very end of that, so really Romans 1 through the end of 11 is Paul's way of just saying, here's what I believe on the support letter. But at the very end, he models what should happen to the human soul if they catch even a glimpse of what the good news of Jesus is. It's humility and it's awe. It's an internal, sincere love. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from Him and through Him and for Him are all things to Him be glory forever. And Paul's like, here's... Here's what has been revealed to me about the truth about Jesus. He doesn't say, nailed it. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't generate pride in him at all. If anything, it generates profound humility and sincere love. He's just in love. He is in love with Jesus. You see it? He's just in love and in awe of what God has done through Jesus. The second way, though, that the good news of Jesus generates sincere love is by our actions. So not just our internal life, but actually our external life as well. So that the very beginning of chapter 12 says this. Therefore, we all know, that therefore is there to connect everything that he just said. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then he says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. You're nonconformists in Jesus' name. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's internal work happening by the Lord. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. What is this saying? What is the takeaway? Well, number one, we don't love God to get God's love. The therefore is just everything you need to know this morning about the good news of Jesus. The therefore is like, okay, in light of God's love, this is what love looks like. We don't love in order to have God's love. This is the fruit of God's primary love. We don't offer our bodies to God as a living sacrifice in order to get His love. We don't transform our minds as if we could. We think we can as if we could, 
to get God's love. It's, we transform our minds because God is committed to our minds and He loves us first. We don't obey God even when it makes us nonconformists in this culture, even when it is costly in our neighborhood or wherever at work. We don't do that in order to get God's love or to prove to others that, you know, I have it. No, no, we do it because we profoundly have God's love. We don't do ministry to impress others. We don't do ministry even to impress God. We love God because we have God's love. That is the good news of Jesus. Remember, we are rescued by what Jesus has done inside. So everything we do for him and to others is an overflow of that. It's it's a sincere and that sincere love is not only like vertical to the Lord, but it's horizontal to others. And we see this at the latter part of Romans as well. He restores us, the Lord does, to a life of love, of sincere love. So look at this. In chapter 12, Paul says, Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection or sincere love, as some translations put it. And take delight in honoring each other. Chapter 13, verse 10. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's love. God's law. God's law is all about love of God and love of neighbor. And Paul's basically saying, love fulfills that. Sincerely. So the good news of Jesus, according to Paul, is that he supernaturally restores you to what you were built for. What you were designed for is sincere love. The opposite of pretend love. Pretend love is natural. Pretend love is not hard to find. Pretend love is sort of my screensaver that pops on when I'm in default mode. And there are all kinds of ways to pretend love. And you can think of your own. We might say what others want to hear in order to get what we want in the name of love. Amen? We might constantly get involved and get dependent even on others for our own needs in the name of love. Uh, We might put on a show to get people's approval in the name of love. We might serve others out of deep resentment in the name of love. And the list goes on, but genuine love is shaped like and sustained by the cross of Jesus. It's on the other side of someone who has indeed opened their empty hands and embraced Jesus. Paul writes, each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, quote, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. And so again, Paul's just saying, sincere love is rooted in someone who has simply received the sincere love of God in Christ. And then in chapter 15 of Romans, Paul really unpacks a picture of cross-shaped Love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be joyful, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn or weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, 
but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Isn't that beautiful? That is sincere love that comes on the other side of someone who at the end of their rope has simply cried out, Jesus. Romans, it's a support letter. It's a love letter. So garden update, okay? I know you're all dying to know. Um, I am enjoying getting to know how to plant and prune tomatoes. They are great, okay? Um, but all of that learning and all those YouTube videos are useless if at the end of all of my studies, I don't cut open a juicy tomato and create salsa or BLT with my friends or my family. See, Romans is a sin. Romans is a sin. It's a support letter and a love letter. Everybody knows those two kinds of letters, support letters and love letters, they are a means to an end. Romans is meant to generate real mission and real love. So study scripture. Study Romans. But may the fruit of that study at Hope Church be one of sincere love and a life of mission. Lord, we ask that you would do that in our midst. Transform the way, Lord, that we engage you so that we don't hide from you in studying you, so that we don't control you or others in studying you, but instead we would be absolutely transformed by the reality of your love for us in Christ and by the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we cry, Uncle, we know we can't generate this on our own, but we submit ourselves to you, and as a church, we ask that you would create in us fruit. And would the fruit that grows on your branches here at Hope, would it be one of mission? Would we have a purpose that goes so far beyond our limits of understanding? Would we understand that we have been asked to take part in your rescue mission? And not so would. would you create in us a sincere love of you and of others? Would you create in us the miracle of awe, Lord? And would you create in us the miracle of putting others first to watch them flourish? And it's in Jesus' name we ask this. Thanks for listening in. For more resources like this and to learn more about Hope, please visit our website at hopechurchcolumbus.org.